today, we're going to be talking about uh, what I believe is one of the most important yet missing ingredients in a relationship. And I don't know about you, but I've certainly done this. Have you ever uh, been baking something, cooking something, and left out an ingredient? Like say you're baking cookies and forget sugar, right? Uh, or you're baking something or cooking and you forget salt. And, and what you end up with is something that looks good, yet doesn't taste very good. And I would argue that what we're going to be talking about today, where we're going to be going, is one of these missing ingredients. It's actually missing not just in marriages. Uh, it's missing in relationships. It's actually missing in our culture, in our society uh, as Americans and perhaps even worldwide. I can't speak to that, but I would, uh, I, would I think from what I see it is. Uh, but if you were to ask an average married man, what is the missing ingredient in their marriage? Uh, many of them would say, okay, sure, I wasn't sure if you were going to get it with me. Um, sex, that's what they would say. Uh, they would say intimacy, sex, sexuality, that's the missing ingredient. In fact, if we had more of that, it would make our marriage better. Um, if you want me to be more emotionally responsive, hello, thank you very much. That will help the whole thing out. And I didn't know what the answer would be for a woman, so I asked my wife, uh, and she said, here's, here's the answer she gave me, connectedness is the missing agreement. And I said, well, what does that mean? She said, it's like when you're talking um, and you're like really listening and looking, and at that point I walked out of the room. Uh, <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> but this idea of connectedness, of being deeply connected, this listening and understanding and here's what I'd say. I'd argue that where we're going will actually enhance your sex life and help you be more connected. And yet it has nothing to do with either. <laughs> See, the missing ingredient in our relationships is the ingredient of honor. I believe there's nothing more important to your relationship, uh, whether it's with uh, a friendship, with a spouse, with those around you. Uh, and specifically, I don't want to talk about an act of honor. Sometimes we think about an act of something we do. What, what we want to talk about this morning is this idea of developing a culture of honor. We live in a society of dishonor. That is the society we live in. Uh, and all you have to do is look on social media real quick, and realize the way we talk, the way we communicate with those we disagree with, with those we do not understand, is a culture of dishonor. And here's what's true for you and true for me. If we don't fight for honor, we'll fall back to dishonor. If we don't fight for honor, our natural sin-soaked person, our flesh, will all immediately, we will just default to dishonor. And so this morning, I really want to talk about, okay, how do we develop this culture of honor? We want to talk about what it is, what it's not, difference between honor versus respect. Uh, and, and then for some, okay, how do you honor those you've been hurt deeply by? And so to start, let's think about this idea of culture for a second. Because we don't want to talk about an act of honor. We want to talk about a culture of honor. Culture is the environment 
around us that we've created or allowed. So, so certainly we have an American culture, and we're a part of that, and is, we don't get to create a whole lot of that, but you have a culture upon which you operate that is within your family unit, within your person, that you've either created, you're the reason, or you have allowed. And what it does is it informs the decisions we make. It informs the way we go about life. It's this idea of that we are immersed in Water. You see these beautiful goldfish? I wonder how long, you, some of you were like really anxious for me to talk about the goldfish and wondering, when am I going to get to it? You're talking this whole time and you haven't got to the dang goldfish up here and it's just weird. But here's what culture is. Culture is the water in which the fish are swimming. And what happens is uh, we don't take notice to the water that we're in and what we're surrounding ourselves with. And yet it's what we're living, what we're breathing, the way we're behaving. The difference for us is we get to decide the culture we live in. We get to decide and choose the culture that we have and the culture, the type of culture we're going to be as a church See, and the type of culture we want to be as individuals or as a family. Now, to create a culture of honor, it begins with the relationships that are most formative. The relationships uh, that are most formative in our lives are the relationships with your parents. And this, uh, this morning, we're going to be talking about really how do you honor your parents? Whether you had a relationship with your parents or not. What's really interesting about this idea of honoring, and this is central, um, one of the big ideas in Scripture when it comes to parents and families, honoring your father and mother, this big idea. Uh, What's really interesting about this uh, is that these relationships are so incredibly uh, informative for us as a people whether we had a relationship with them or not, whether they were good or not. I had a real good buddy. I remember a number of years ago, and he didn't have a relationship with his dad, his mom and stepdad, that was his dad in his life. And I remember when his dad died, his biological dad died. Didn't have a relationship. Something inside this incredibly strong man that I knew broke. Why? Because at the core, there is this informative relationship, this deep well, when it comes to your mom or to your dad, whether you had a relationship with them or not. And if we're going to create a culture of honor, we have to go back to perhaps some of the relationships that are most hard for us or deepest wound for us to honor. In fact, I think for some, this message is going to be the Holy Spirit's going to take just with utmost care in your soul, but to help unpack some things that you've been avoiding, to help unpack some stuff that you've stuffed inside that you've been trying to push away. And yet, what it has done, even though you've tried to avoid it and push out, is it seeps out in the relationships around you. See, this is why this is so important that we actually talk about this and develop this culture of honor. Because it's not just about them. 
it so, has so much to do with you. See, because if I can't honor you, it says more about me than it does about you. If I cannot honor you, it says more about me, the wounds, the hurt, than it does about you. So if you got your Bibles, would you open them up to Ephesians chapter 6? We're going to look at a passage when it comes to relationships that you wouldn't naturally think as a marriage passage because it's not. Um, But it is so incredibly important. In fact, I don't know that I've ever heard a message on this before. Some of you probably have, but I don't think I ever have in this context. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 1, the Apostle Paul is continuing this relationship conversation, shifts from the marriage relationship to children uh, and, um, and fathers and mothers. And next week, just so you know, this is a really important week. Next week, we're going to talk about the series title uh, is called Mothers and Fathers. And we are going to talk about like parenting. And the reality is many of you will be parents one day or have a strong influence in kids' lives one day. And so this would be a really important subject. But this is the way the Apostle Paul starts off the conversation. Children, so immediately you realize for 99.9 points, you're like, this doesn't apply to me. It's about children. It's about little kids. That's what comes to our mind. And here's the truth. You were a child for a time in your life, but you are someone's child for all of time. You were a child in someone at some point, and that was a season in your life. And what he's going to address is a season in your life, and then he's going to speak to the larger context of what it means to be a child or someone's child for all time. So the, the immediate context of being a kid, he says, children, obey your parents in the Lord. And this, by the way, is the most quoted verse of parents on on the planet, God says, you're supposed to obey me, for this is right. Now, parents, real quick, for those who are parents in this room, because I'm a parent, he didn't say, for you are right. He said, for this is right, right? And, and truth be told, we're not always right. Now, as parents, we have a, a bigger perspective, a larger understanding, and a desire for their good. And so, yeah, obedience is helpful. But think about this. What we're trying to help our kids isn't to obey us. This is just like, this is a little free part. I wasn't meaning to go here, but I'm going here. Uh, Okay, what is it? Obey your kids, what? Help me out. In the Lord. That is so important. Your goal is not to create obedience unto you because it's right. Your goal is to help shape your kids with an awe and a wonder of who God is, that in reverence and respect, they go, I don't even know if they're right, but I'm going to follow them because of Jesus. That's a very different way of parenting instead of trying to control them, compel them to Jesus, instead of trying to somehow rang them in, move them, push them to God. Okay, that was my little parentheses. All right, back to um, a culture of honor. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise. Why, why, why do we honor our father and mother? They weren't very honorable. They, (laughs) if you only knew the words my mom said to me. If you, if you knew what my dad did to me and the abuse I experienced, they weren't around. Where were they? See, this, this subject comes with such deep emotion. And we're treading on holy 
and sacred ground. And a place for many in this room of some deep wounds. And God is going like, you don't get it. Why would you ask me to do this? So that. So that it may go well with you. See, my lack of honor towards them actually impacts me more than it does them. See, the opposite of honor actually isn't dishonor. We think, oh, I'm just dishonoring them. The antithesis of honor or the, uh, and the deep roots where dishonor comes from is resentment and bitterness. Resentment and bitterness kill you and does nothing to them. And so our inability to honor them, our inability to give honor, and we're going to talk about what that means because I don't think we understand what that means, but our inability to honor them ultimately kills us and it contaminates the relationships around us. Now, honor... Honor is the attitude accompanied by an action that communicates value. It's this attitude that actually has an action connected to it. The word here for honor literally means weight behind or worth. And so it's this idea that the person upon which I am giving honor is to recognize one's intrinsic dignity and treat them accordingly. To recognize their intrinsic dignity of who they are. And sometimes to honor someone means we have to go to the basement of dignity. Right, Because they, the house is crumbled when we're talking about them and we don't have anything good to say on the surface. So let's go down to the basement of dignity. The basement of dignity is they are made in the image of God. And you just go, okay, well, let's start there. They have intrinsic worth because they're an image bearer of God. And as a result, as a result, I, I, I'm having a hard time on the surface because they knocked down the house. But in the basement, I know they are, have worth and value. And so I'm going to speak to that. Um, and he, sorry, I just was trying to figure out what's, what part to go next. Yeah, let's do this. We often reserve our honor for those who deserve it. We've confused honor and respect. We'll talk about that in a second. But we reserve it for those who deserve it. And here's what it does to us. Remember that idea of a culture of honor? Is we're living in this and we get to create it or we allow the culture we live in, but it permeates everything. And this, what bitterness and resentment does is it begins to dwell and it begins to contaminate the culture or what we live in and breathe in. So here's what happens. 
Man, when I can't honor you, when I can't say anything good about you, when I can't even go to the basement floor, it does this. You start seeing red. What's insidious about it is we feel justified by it, doesn't it? Why? Because they're wrong. Because they don't deserve my honor. And so then we pour a little bit more because we're justified by it. And, go, and then we get around some friends and, and we tell them our story. And then they just add fuel to the fire, right? Because that's how it works. And we go, can you believe what my parents did? And some of you adults that hang out with your family, what do you do? You talk about your parents. By the way, this won't kill the fish I checked. <laughs> Gosh, man, you guys were so nervous about that. <laughs> but let's talk about your relationship. Let's talk about you and that relationship that you long to have and why this command of God, and by the way, this is part of the big 10 of God. This is number five in the big 10, the 10 commandments saying, honor your father and mother, that this is such a big deal. When Jesus talked about it, he actually addressed this because adult parent, uh, adults weren't honoring their father and mother. They were, weren't caring for them. And Paul then reiterates this. This is a theme. And here's why this is such a big deal because my inability to honor them ultimately brings a contamination on me that, that pollutes the relationships around me. Because And this is the world I see. And I, just, I, it's, I begin to breathe it in. I begin to live it. And it impacts the world all around me. So here's the difference, though, by the way. Here's the reason I think we have such a hard time with this, is we confuse honor and respect. They're different. They're not the same. Honor is given. Respect is earned. Honor is something I can give to you whether you deserve it or not. Respect is earned. See, I can honor you. Honor might be withholding my tongue and not putting you in your place. Honor might be saying something that's true and not having to go to the but statement afterwards. Honor might be saying, hey, you know what? We're just not going to talk like that around here. But I don't, I may not respect you. So respect, the difference between honor and respect is honor is a choice. Respect is response. See, I respect you. Because of your character. I respect you because of your integrity. I, I respect you because of the way that you went about that business deal. I respect you because, because, wow, the way you treat your kids is so incredible. And so, but we get these two enmeshed. And, and what happens is then we go, well, I can't honor you. Honor is, a, is what we give to someone, whether they deserve it or not, based on that they are made in the image of God. They have intrinsic worth and value. And so I'm going to speak to the weight and their worth and speak honorably about them. Respect is the response of who they are and their character. And so we're able to go, you know what? Even though you're not acting very honorably, I can still honor you. Even though I don't respect you, I can treat you respectfully. And here's why this is such a big deal. Honor. Honor makes your life way better. So that it may go well with you. Think about this. 
Honor gives you influence with others. Just think about it from the work context. I, I get to hear a lot how everyone, not everyone, so many people do not like their boss. And, and what do they do? They dishonor their boss. Well, he deserves it. He's being a jerk. He's acting this way. I get it. But you want to have influence in your workplace. Speak honorably of the people around you. Guess what? Everyone's wondering, how do you speak about them when they're not around? See, honor gives you influence. Honor opens you up for wisdom. I was hanging out with some uh, Santa Clara students uh, a few weeks ago, and we are just ch- talking. I was asking them questions about life. And they, one of the students had what I called the millennial aha moment. Um, and here's what it was. They're talking about their parents and talking about, like, I had no idea just how smart my parents were, you know? Like, oh, who would have thunk? And, and they made this comment, you know, I, I really should have went to them before Google, you know? And that, to me, was like the millennial aha moment, because we, we tend to do this. We do a, this concept called splitting, where we, make, where we make something all good or to make it all bad. And we go, okay, when we split, it, it creates incredible harm on the other, and it closes us off. Okay, you, you have a parent that you can honor. They may not be the source of wisdom, I, 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 granted. But it also may cause you to not want to seek those that have wisdom because you've been hurt. And because you make all people in this certain stage bad. See, it gives you influence. It opens you up to wisdom. And then it frees you from bitterness. This is huge, by the way, when we think about parents in a divorce relationship. Of being the difference between honor and respect. I can't respect her anymore. I can't respect him. I've heard that. But you can honor her. You can honor him as the father of your kids, as the mother of your kids. You can speak in a way that will not devalue them in front of your kids. This is so powerful. So here's what honor does. Honor changes the atmosphere. It just changes the atmosphere. And I don't know if you've been around where you had someone uh, that you're hanging out in a group. I've had this happen at different occasions where, where you have someone and they're just completely dishonoring their spouse. They're speaking negatively of, and it just changes the atmosphere or they're completely, I'll give it, let me get you, give you an honest example. I've shared it once before. So it's a me. And then that way you get like, I'm broken too. Um, uh, Years ago, I was hanging out with friends, uh, my brother and a couple other leaders, and there was another notable leader that made a big decision that from the outside I didn't quite understand about their direction. In this group, I began to speak negatively about this leader. It changed the atmosphere. Because honor just kind of pulled us all down. Dishonor pulled us all down. And all of a sudden, we're kind of going back and forth. At least the guys. The women in our life are way more spiritual. It's true. And it was interesting. My wife on the drive home from that said, You know what, Ryan? That, That wasn't okay. You have no idea. 
the reasons why, and it was, she, it was really dishonoring. So I had to go back, and I had to apologize to my buddies and friends and their leaders as well. You know what happened? Is it changed the atmosphere again. See, you might be like me where you've dishonored and so then you distance and you deny instead of going, okay, I'm going to in return honor you and I'm going to make it right. And so I said, guys, you know what? I'm sorry. Jenny brought this up and she's so right. And I don't want to be that kind of person. And man, God's using this person. And I know how hard it is in ministry. And who am I to talk about who God's using like that? I'm so sorry. And then you should have just saw the messages fly as then that water just began to rise because it changed the atmosphere. And our view began to change. And it's amazing. It changes the atmosphere and it elevates your attitude, which I desperately needed, by the way, because I was working a conference where this leader was then speaking at. Gulp. But it changed my complete attitude of them. It changed the way I approached them as well. If you want to talk about, okay, in flesh, you know, it's this attitude that is accompanied by an action. What does that look like? Jot down James 1, 19 and 20. It said everyone should be quick, slow, slow. That's, that's what he said. Everyone should be quick, slow, slow. You want to know what honor is? Quick, slow, slow. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. You want to know the approach? <laughs> and as a speaker, that's what I do. I got to be honest. I am not very quick to listen all the time, but I am very quick to speak. He said, no, no, no. Honor says this. I'm going to be quick to listen. Honor says, I'm going to listen to you, and I'm going to understand what you're saying, where you're coming from, and get your heart behind it before I respond, before I speak. And what we do is we're quick to respond. We don't have to have an opinion to share our opinion. You know, we don't have to have a stance. Like, it's like we're just quick to respond, quick to give our thoughts, quick to share everything. Social media has made us so narcissistic in this way that we have to share everything that's going on inside. No, you don't. Shut up. Just shut up. Be quick to listen. Quick to listen. Slow to speak. Slow to speak. I don't know if you grew up with this. I grew up with this. If you don't have anything good to say, then don't say anything at all. Imagine if we had a culture of honor in America, how the landscape would change, and we get to be that change because we get to do it in our relationships. We get to do it as a church. We get to create this culture as a community and say, no, no, this is the way we're going to be. I get that everybody else is polluted and spewing it out there, and we're not going to go down that road, and we're going to be slow to anger. What that means is don't let your emotions drive your decisions. We are an emotion-driven society. Do not let your emotional response drive your decisions in the moments. I'm so angry at him. 
Oh, man, she just ticked me off. Quick, slow, slow. See, honor, it changes the atmosphere, elevates your attitude, and impacts your approach. And here's what I love. Honor says that there is no one beneath me. That's what it says when we're talking about dignity and worth. And you're going like, there's a few people that you know for sure are beneath you. At least that's what you want to think. Um, Romans 12, Paul says this, honor one another above yourself. Honor says there's no one beneath me and I'm going to treat you as if you're above me. That's what honor says. That's the calling of being a Christian, by the way, a follower of Jesus. I'm, I'm going to say and I'm going to believe that there's no one beneath me. It's just true. And I'm going to treat you as if you are above me. I was born in Texas, but I grew up in Santa Cruz. One of the things that I brought over from Texas, so I moved when I was nine, is in Texas you say, yes, sir. And you say, no, ma'am. And I still do that today. But for me, it is a verbal reminder that no matter your position in life, you are a sir or a man to me. I just had a guy at my house. Um, our sink was completely clogged up for days and couldn't get it figured out. So I had a plumber over to my house. He came to my house to serve me, paying him to serve. There's a couple of things to, uh, that I could help with in the process to make it easier. And he's like, would, I, you know, we could do this and it would take a little bit longer to do this. Would, would you mind doing it? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Because he's sir all the time. And somehow, because we aren't able to wrestle with our own worth and dignity and accept that we are worthy, then we somehow have to make ourselves worthy by pushing others down. And, and that goes, stems all the way back to our identity and back to our parents. And yet we go, okay, you know what? I'm going to treat you as if you're above me. You are yes, sir. I was working out with a buddy, and uh, he's like, especially when it gets intense, and he's like, hey, let's do this. I'm like, yes, sir. Yes, sir. He's like, Ryan, it's kind of making me nervous. You're older than me. Stop calling me sir, you know? And I was just like, this is just this is how I respond. And it's so helpful for me to have that, lest I somehow confuse where I'm at that someone else could anyway be beneath me. See, honor and respect. Honor is given. Respect is earned. What honor does, it changes the atmosphere, the attitude, and your approach. But listen carefully. This is what honor is not, because this isn't really, really important. Honor is not being in agreement. You can disagree and still honor. The question is in how you disagree. It's not if you disagree, it's how you disagree. It's honor is not obedience or compliance. It's not groveling for their approval or blind allegiance. You're like, what do you mean it's not their obedience? Didn't you just read children, obey your parents? Yes. And somehow we've transitioned that for some that you live under this like, okay, I'm 20, I'm 30, I'm 40. It's not, it's not this blind obedience. See, as a child, what it looks like to honor is obedience. As an adolescent, it looks more along the lines of, okay, I'm going to respond respectfully. As an adult, 
it often looks like care. You know that you become, the older you get, you, the, the, I, take this with your parents, for some you need this. I, I, this has just been my experience, so, and, and lots of friends. When I was a teenager, I thought my parents didn't know anything. As a 20-something, I began to appreciate my parents. In my late 20s, early 30s, I began to see some of the things that I would go like, oh, man, I, why do they do that? The older we get in life, I think God gives us, it can give us more grace for them. When you understand they had a mom, and they had a dad, and they had a background, and, and we're ju- they're responding out of their own culture. See, the minute you realize we're all walking around like this, you get to have a whole lot more grace for people, right? We realize, okay, I, I, I can respond with honor because, listen, man, I didn't have to go through the war. I didn't have alcoholic parents like you did. You did the best that you could. But it doesn't mean that you have to be in agreement with. What honor does not mean is it doesn't mean you make them happy. You are not responsible for their feelings. You are not responsible for their emotional well-being and happiness. It doesn't mean you have to please them or appease them. And for some, you're stuck in this. Always responding, trying. There's going to be times when you disappoint and for some, you, you get this guilt trip. You get this passive-aggressive response. And it doesn't mean that you have to make them happy. It doesn't mean that you're tolerating abuse. Where you set healthy boundaries, you're not a doormat. Where you don't place yourself in a position to experience harm and pain. And it doesn't mean that you ignore the past. This is not a dismissing of or a diminishing of past wounds. Don't gloss over or deny, make excuses for. But you actually talk about them. At some point, we'll do some chat on how to talk to your parents about hard issues. That would be a really, we don't have time for that today. But for some, you either rebelled way off the end, so honoring is a different direction. For others, you com- you're so compliant, and you have different issues there. But actually learning to have a relationship between a parent adult uh, and a child adult, or adult child and adult parent, that is such a process that we haven't taught uh, in our culture how to do. But, but here's what is important in this moment. Your ability or inability actually reveals a whole lot more about you and where you're at and what the color of the water or the culture is in you than it does about them. So I want to close with talking about how do you honor those who have hurt you? For some, this is a parent. Might be an, an authority figure. I've had a number of chats with people who have been hurt by people in the church and leaders. It might be a close friend or mentor. So what does that really look like? And how do we move forward in that? First thing I'd say is that be honest about your hurt. 
and bring it to Jesus. Our tendency is to hide our hurt instead of be honest about our hurt. Our tendency is to deflect. See, because if we deflect, it's our reflex for protection. We say things like, it's not that big of a deal. We belittle the other person saying, they don't matter. Think about the words we use. Yeah. Like, they don't matter. No, of course they matter. You wouldn't even say that if they didn't matter. It means something to you. You can't hurt me. I'm fine. For some, this is an area that you've stuffed down, you've closed off, you've hid in a box deep inside, and you have this callous exterior, and you, you're because you don't want to get hurt again. And I get it. Or you say, be honest about your hurt. I love Jesus said this, come to me, all who are weary and burdened. <laughs> Part of it's accepting, you know what, I got a burden. I got stuff. I am weary. This is wearing me out. Take my yoke upon me. I'm gentle and humble of heart. Would you be honest and then just bring it to Jesus? Would you trust that though you may not have had a perfect, and certainly you did not, and none of us had a perfect parent, but some had a very harmful parent. Some had an angry or abusive or an absent parent that you would begin to embrace that you have a perfect heavenly father that loves you and in this moment wants to care for you and do just the tender work in your soul to bring healing And yes, it takes a step of trust where you acknowledge, okay, I got some hurt, I got some pain, and I've been pushing it down. And Jesus, (laughs) this is scary to me, but I'm just going to start bringing it to you. I'm just going to start bringing it to you. And then instead of just thinking about them, would you pray for them? Instead of just thinking about them, move from thinking to praying about them. Here's what we do. We think about them a lot. We think about ways we can hurt them. <laughs> we, we think about different conversations. We think all these things. And would you move from thinking about them and having this cycle of thinking where you just begin to pray for them. And it's not natural. It's not easy. And you're like, I don't want to. I get it. Prayer is powerful, you know. Prayer is the place where God uses it to bring great healing in your soul. He wants to meet you there. And as you pray for them, not against them, by the way. Um, I just had to clarify that one. But as you pray for them, it's the place where God begins to work in you. Bring healing and restoration. Give you his perspective where then you go like, I had no idea. Because this is the world they're living in. And if we understand, and you've heard this before, hurt people hurt people, right? And the reality is they're hurt. And so I can give a gracious explanation even though I don't have to restore the relationship because it was abusive. But I I can go, man, in, in the most honoring sense, they're just hurt. They're wounded. And they're unhealed wounders wounding others. And, and so I get their perspective perspective, even though I don't agree with their action. And it's in that place where God begins to work. And then would you choose to forgive? Forgiveness is a process that begins with a choice. I choose to forgive you. Honoring a choice. You have to forgive. If hurt people hurt people, forgiven people forgive 
people, when you understand the grace of God, and this is what Paul says, he says, bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you has any grievances against someone, that's pretty um, inclusive, any, any grievances, and then forgive as the Lord forgave you. See, I don't know why we do this. I do it. I'm pretty sure you do it. Like our withholding of forgiveness that develops that bitterness, that resentment that keeps us from being able to live in this culture of honor. The only person that hurts is ourselves. I think I love, I'm not exactly sure who originated this statement. So like unforgiveness or not forgiving someone is like drinking poison and expecting the other person to get sick. Like, it doesn't impact them. It doesn't change anything. It just kills you. You go, you know what? I've been forgiven so I can forgive. Forgiveness is a process. You make a choice, and you have to keep choosing it. It's hard. Today, I choose to forgive, and it literally means to release my right for revenge. So you have to acknowledge, I had a right for revenge. I have a right to, like, hold this over your head. I have a right to be angry go, okay, God, today I choose to release that right unto you. Then it's forgiving. It's this process. I'm in process with forgiving you. And then you finally get to the stage after time, and the deeper the wound, the longer the time. You go, forgiven. Doesn't mean you're best buds. For some, it will. For others, it means, man, when I think of them, I wish them well. I don't wish them harm. Then you want to know how you're doing in the forgiveness? Watch your language. Jesus said, out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. If we want to see the culture that we're living in, look at the words that you're saying. It just seeps out. It just pours out. Paul would say, don't let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth, but only what's helpful for building others up. Benefit those. And yes, is this helpful? And as those words come out, you realize, man, there's work in me that, that, God, I need you to do. And if possible, take the initiative to improve the relationship. I love how Paul says this in Romans 12. He says, don't repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. And then if possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. There are times when it is not possible. There are times when it's not possible to improve the relationship because they're no longer around. It's times where it's not possible because they are an unsafe person. But if possible, would you take the initiative to improve the relationship? God does so much when we take those steps, and it's so hard. A number of years ago, I had a, just a, a friend mentor in my life that I just was deeply wounded and betrayed by. And... I share this more from the standpoint because I, I think sometimes, uh, I think maybe it's because I'm on a stage. I don't, I wish we didn't have the stage. Uh, but you, you can kind of put at times pastors on a pedestal and like they respond perfectly and this is easy and create this ideal picture that's it's not true, it's not real. I try to be, I try to share as much brokenness as possible because I think that's where uh, God does his greatest work. 
Um, but man, I was deeply wounded, broken. Talk about impacting and changing the atmosphere is it impacted my marriage in a significant way. And for some of us, we've, you've had this experience where then your spouse takes on your pain, your spouse takes on your fight. Man, we were, we were in this cycle and getting to a dark place. Like, okay. Well, what do I need to do? Be honest about my hurt. You know, my reflex was, he, he can't hurt me. He can't hurt me. And then I was like, but it really hurts. <laughs> and I just went, I went through this. Moved from thinking to praying for him. You know, like my first prayers for him was this. God help him. Amen. Because <laughs> that's all I had. That's all I could say that wasn't negative. I didn't want his ministry and his success. I didn't want God to use him. If I'm honest, what is, oh, you see how sick it gets. Our view becomes, God help him. Okay, God, I'm, I'm going to choose to forgive him because what I see is this bitterness and this resentment and I can't speak a good word. And it's just polluting my relationships, my marriage, my friendship. So I had to take the initiative to improve the relationship. I met with him. Didn't want to. Didn't have a huge expectation of what would come from it. There's something powerful when we just simply obey God's word of what he does in us and then the things we think he can't do, he can do. And I'm not saying that, man, we're, we're close buddies. We're not. But I tell you, when I pray for him today, I pray for his good. And I pray for his success. I pray that God would use him mightily and that his ministry would blow up in the best way possible. Not the worst way. I'd blow up. In, in. <laughs> I wish him well. I wish him well. As we close and the band comes up and it's going to lead us, I want you to take a moment. I want you to take a moment and just go, okay, where do I need to go through the process? Is there healing in my heart? Who is it that I struggle with giving honor to? Who is it that my words, it just, they, it just comes out? And where you just go, okay, God, I'm going to, I'm going to take the first step today. It's the first step in a journey. It's a process. It's done like, ooh, everything's great. But I'm going to take the first step.